0: Welcome to Get Amplified from the Amplified Group, the podcast for tech industry leaders and aspiring leaders focusing on extraordinary teams. I say this every time, but of course, we're doing this virtually. I'm a home in Bucks. Vicky, as usual, is in deepest darkest Oxfordshire, and Shah's over in the Netherlands. So Shah, who have we got on the show today?
1: Well, we've got, and I know you'll hate me saying this, David Parry-Jones, but everybody knows him as DPJ. And our topic today is building great cultures which then in turn delivers great results through teams so you know how do you get the entire organization working as one team and going in the same direction now Vicky and I met DPJ at VMware I think Vicky had more of the pleasure of working with him closer than I did Um, so with that Sam in our usual format I'm going to ask you DPJ just to give us a little bit of a potted history of your career and maybe just tell us where you are now before we go into uh, some questions
2: sure thank you Sharon uh, Vicky and Sam so it's a pleasure to be on the uh, podcast this time I think the first thing I'd say is what I didn't end up doing so I did a physics degree and um, I found out I wasn't cut out for teaching Um, (laughs) and I wasn't cut out for working in the North Sea on the oil rigs either and I I happened across kind of IT selling and where was that called the late 1980s, it seems like a lifetime ago, because it probably is. And, um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed every moment of it. I've worked for some, you know, iconic large companies over that period, but also some smaller companies. Um, I used to sell a lot of Lotus Notes in the days before they were acquired by IBM, worked through the IBM piece. I then spent several years at Microsoft um, and then another seven years at VMware, where I met um, both Vicky and Sharon. And then the last two years, um, I've joined a company called Twilio, which I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about in a second. And I joined to run EMEA, and for the last nine months, I've also been standing in to uh, run the Asia-Pacific business while we're searching for a new leader there.
0: Any chance of that going permanent? Or is that too too big a geography for you to cover?
2: It's not so much that. I think um, what I've learned, particularly in COVID times, is that the overlap of the Asian business days is about two hours. And they're the two hours before nine. Right. Um, therefore, if I want to run a business day in EMEA, do with my American boss in the evening and do APJ in the morning, particularly in this uh, non-traveling environment, it's just, it's not, yeah.
0: something
2: I'd wish upon an enemy.
0: No? <laughs> you, you get about 12 minutes sleep. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So Vicky, perhaps you could tell us why we've chosen this particular topic, focus on building a great culture and leading to great results.
3: Thanks, Sam. And I think this is probably going to be my easiest answer to when you've asked me this question in the past. This is why we created the Amplified Group. So very, very near and dear to our hearts is organisations as they grow, building the culture and retaining the culture as they grow. And knowing how to retain it as they scale is so critical because... When things are going well, it's, it's great and it's easy. But when you hit a bump in the road, which inevitably you will, you need to make sure that you've got that strong, solid foundation of of the culture and having that trust in place to ensure that when you hit a bump in the road, you are all still working in the same direction. And it's, it's why we do what we do. And I just want to give a very quick um, example um, of a CEO that I was speaking to not so long ago and um, in preparation for my meeting with him I'd had a look at their company report and I could tell from the company report and don't get me wrong the results were awesome they are really going places however you could tell from reading it they'd resulted from brandishing a big whip versus really having the culture in place which has resulted in those results and in my conversation with him he said I know this isn't sustainable we need to overcome this and we need to go right back to the roots to do this and why when we came up with this topic it was DPJ came to mind immediately because having worked with him at VMware and seen the trust that he builds and the loyalty that he builds in the teams that he works with and how he supports everyone and people first. I'm just so thrilled DPJ that you're on here to share this with us. So thank you for joining us.
0: That company that you refer to once saw somebody come in with a t-shirt and said, the floggings will continue until morale improves. (laughs) I don't think so. Look, always made me me chuckle that one. Um, so DPJ, can you give us a bit of background on Twilio? You know, you've had some, some big names in your career, but this is perhaps not quite such a big name yet, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, and I, and I reflected on that when I started talking about the job, because if, if I'm honest, I'd not come across Twilio, and it's not a space. It's, it's a somewhat um, a space that I wasn't really familiar with and, and a slightly unusual co- company name as well, which I have to explain to people all the time how to spell it. Um, So Twilio was formed about 10 years ago, and we were talking about their values and culture. And I think um, 10 years ago, Jeff Lawson, our CEO, set up the company, and at the heart of the company was to become the operating system for the digital economy, but more importantly, to democratise the technology that underpins the way in which we communicate. And at the heart of that was the developer. And Jeff is a developer who started his career, or certainly the formative part of his career at AWS, and and did a number of startups leading up to Twilio and was frustrated with the need to have to stand up all the the hardware, the high cost hardware to be able to set up a communications structure and therefore wanted to democratize it. And at the time with the cloud coming along, we were able to do that. And we built a business from, from that. And I think those values and that focus on the developer that started the company with Jeff still very much exist in the company today. I think that that focus on the developer is at the heart of everything we do still. But I think those values, they've morphed, you know, the company that he started more than 10 years ago now actually 12 years ago is not the company that it was. And we, we, just as I joined, actually, we revisited our magic values and, and made them more appropriate for what we, we have today. But there's a level of consistency and trust that Jeff has built in the organization over that time.
0: Culture does always change as a, as an organization grows it doesn't necessarily have to get any worse in fact it's great if it stays good culture but it's got to morph over time the operating system for for digital business is interesting vicky that seems to bear some relation to you what you guys at the amplified group talk about in terms of the operating system for teams
3: uh, yes and actually i can't take credit for that term at all um microsoft came up with the, t- the term um, that the five behaviours of a team is the operating system for teams. So, you know, there's no one better qualified on operating systems than, uh, than Microsoft to talk about that. So I just thought it was an interesting point, particularly as I'd read that Twilio is becoming the operating system of the digital economy. And it just made me think that, you know, here at the Amplified Group, although no client is the same and we customise every client engagement, the five behaviours is at the heart of what we do, and our job is to practically apply it and bring it to life, so that it becomes muscle memory, and it enables the organisations that we're working with to continue to thrive as they scale. So it's great to be able to hear DPJ's story. So
0: DPJ, when you when you started at Twilio, what were your priorities? Well, it's
2: very very clear um, that my priority in the Emir role was to build out the the Emir business at the time. International represented about 20% of the overall worldwide business, which having worked in global tech companies is a disproportionate, it's too small a proportion of a mature business. So the opportunity was there to build a business at the, at the rate that the overall business is growing, but to increase that percentage of the overall business and therefore grow faster than the business as a whole. And with that comes investment. And I look, you know, I look back after two years now and the the number of employees we have in the company is probably seven x of what we started with. So I did
0: joke about wow, that's some growth.
2: Yeah, well, I joked about my first year not being um, a sales leader but being a recruiter.
0: Yeah, we
2: did a lot of recruitment. We learned a lot about how to onboard large quantities of salespeople and how to build markets. And the brand as well is not as recognisable in this market as it might be in some of the others. But the priorities were to, to build a culture. Um, I had a long debate with our COO, George Hugh, when I was joining the company about this kind of relationship between revenue and culture, and which one comes first. Um, I'm very clear in my world that you know I think people and culture come first because without them you can't build revenue for the long term. And I was yeah. to describing that other the company and i 've seen some of my leaders within EMEA optimizing for the short term, and you know their results in the short term are very strong, but then they they they, they drop away as you start getting into year two and year three because they haven 't done the building blocks for that longer term and that's that 's all about hiring talent in my world it 's about hiring capable individuals who Will will come either come down from where they were in the maturity of the companies they were in to where we were at Twilio and then bring the company forward to where we're taking it, knowing that destination of that, that enterprise class sales organisation that they may have come from historically.
0: So culture is your absolute priority. Most, most important bit?
2: I think if you, if you build the right culture in your company, or your organization, because remember, I'm running the European piece of a, of a large global company. Yep. You can't build a good culture within a bad culture, but yep. you certainly optimize a culture for a geographical region. And I think that cultures, I'll come back to the point about hiring the right people um, and having a diverse mix at a very high level around how people, how people create ideas, how they, how they think, how they communicate. And, it allows, and allow people to be like that, then you build a culture of inclusiveness. And I think you know, what's really important around that, and you know, I hark back to my days at VMware, is really making people feel like they have a voice and that their voice counts. And it doesn't matter where you are in the organization or what you do, but really feeling that you really care for those individuals, care and understand and want to hear what they have to say. And that at the same time, they can see the ability, ability to develop And progress over the time they're in the company but also you know frankly in our world the ability to earn the money in a sales organization um that's associated
0: with that success and development of course and clearly you well and and we you know the it industry generally having spent 20 years 20 odd years in it it's a very fast moving uh, arena and probably even more so at the minute you know there's there's a lot of talk of the the current covid situation acceler- accelerating digitization whatever that that means to an individual business how do you maintain that trust and empowerment staying ahead of that pace of change
2: well the first reflection i'd make is you know what we've seen through that that covid environment and what we've seen is an acceleration of organisations embracing digital communications with their customers.
0: That's the reason.
2: Yeah, and we've done some, you know, we've surveyed, I think it was 5,000 customers on the basis of their experiences um, through this period. And over 90 percent of them said that they'd accelerated by an average of five years their decisions around digital deployments of technologies like ours. To enable them to communicate with their consumers or their customers in the way the consumer wants to be communicated with and the, the platform that we sell the api that we sell allows those organizations to choose the means with which they communicate to their customers whether that's text email voice video in,
0: in the current climate that sounds pretty much critical i think
2: yeah and, and we've seen that you know it's been reflected in our, our financial results but it's also just been in reflected on the, in the interest we are seeing in the market. And um, that there are, you know, there's, there's plenty of organisations who do bits of what we do, certainly on a domestic basis in various countries throughout EMEA. And each country we go into in EMEA because of the nature of our, our regulatory relationship is like opening up the whole of North America again. So yeah. the, the complexity and the diversity of EMEA is a challenge for organisations like ours, because Not only is the the tech industry and life, COVID, life, very dynamic, but the regulatory landscape within which we operate is a very dynamic world as well. As governments look to protect um, their consumers from bad actors.
0: Clearly, EMEA is not one single country, whatever the Americans might say.
2: (laughs) No comment, but I think (laughs) you're factually
0: correct. (laughs) It's true. It's true. So how important is hiring? And I guess also, although you're, you're relatively early into your tenure, retaining that talent that you bring into the organization.
2: I think hiring and um, retention or you know, reducing attrition is a critical kind of KPI within that cultural stack. And I think if you can create an environment, as I just described earlier, where people feel like, the, the organization or their leadership really cares about them and wants to develop them. Um, and particularly as we're going through this period, then, you know, those things kind of look after themselves. And um, I, I, I was talking to my boss the other day and you know, I, I admitted to him, which I'm not sure was the right thing to do, that I cared more about the employee effectiveness survey than I did about my revenue performance. And we'll see how that goes over the, uh, the next few months, but it's genuine. And, you know, if I, I feel that if we, if we have a community of people who are the right people who are doing the, the right work and we celebrate a lot of the how as opposed to the what, then you build a culture that feels like it has a direction and a meaning and purpose gets overused at the moment. But it really is all about purpose and feeling like you're making a difference and that you're part of something that you can, you can attach to. And you know, that for us has been you know, hugely successful and the hiring piece has been a lot of effort at the front end. But obviously, then, to some extent, the hard work starts in making sure you get them to become effective as fast as possible. But then you retain them for as long as possible once they're effective. And that's a huge focus for me.
3: You did a post on LinkedIn when you hadn't been there very long about purpose and the importance of it and how having been in other organisations the difference that you have at at Twilio now, the difference you're experiencing and and the interpretation to the customer. Can you, can you talk to that a little bit for us?
2: Yeah, I think, I think the post was something about that. I belong at Twilio. And I think that feeling of belonging is maybe a better articulation of what I was trying to say a minute ago. And, you know, if you feel like you belong at an, or genuinely belong at an organization, then I think, you know, work becomes so much easier. And you naturally stay at the organization because it feels like a family but i think you know working on that i, I, I over my career have, have worked in some very large companies and i think when organizations get very large you know they may well on the outside um, be perceived as inclusive and diverse but the reality is once you get onto the inside there's a way of working that's very narrow and i found myself in that situation earlier in my career And the the culture that was that narrow sliver of working did not suit my work style. Now you can survive and you can Mm -hmm. be moderately successful, but you'll never be as happy or as successful as you could be. If you're in a culture where either the best case, you know, anything goes from a a cultural approach and there's one of everything. And therefore, you know, there is no monoculture or at least a culture where, your natural style and the way in which you operate is is better recognized and part of that broader culture. And I think with Twilio, I wrote that article because I'd spent the better part of my interview cycle with Twilio questioning the culture because I knew what it was like to work in what I perceived to be a bad culture and I knew from VMware what it was like to work in a good culture and I didn't want to make that mistake. And um, what I found then within the first three months is that I've got it right. And, you know, what i had been told um, around the questioning, around the culture was, you know, what I perceived it to be.
1: Yeah, we had a funny podcast discussion uh, earlier this week. We were talking to Jane Rimmer, who I used to work for. And I was saying when she hired me that um, she said she wanted me to meet the rest of the crew to make sure that I wasn't crazy because my CV looked really good. And Sam said something really interesting. He said, yeah, you probably were crazy, but you were the right kind of crazy for Uh them. (laughs) And and I think that was really important because they made it very clear to me the type of organization and the culture that there was. Now, I could have chosen to say that culture isn't for me, but to be clear to the person that you are hiring what the culture of the company is, then they can make that decision themselves as well, can't they? Because it's important both ways.
2: Yeah, and I've been doing a lot of interviewing recently of people to join Twilio. To be clear, um, <laughs> I've referred um, to our magic values, and they're up on our website. They're very clear, and you know the way I refer to them is that you know if you want to understand how Twilio operates, read those magic values, and if you're able to relate to them and um, you know be able to deliver around them, you will be successful. And I think it's a good it's a good signpost to you know, what we expect from people and just a number of them, you know, they're kind of, they're, they're they're serious, but no shenanigans is one of them. And you know, that's basically no bullshit.
3: Say,
2: say, say it straight. Don't, don't mess around and and no, no, um, no, no dodgy dealings, but things like be an owner and that's designed to, you know, behave like you're a startup still on the basis of how you look after your budgets and your money and how you spend, um, be inclusive I I related to very strongly when I came into the organization. Write it down is a new one to me. And um, we're very big on memos and documents prior to meetings that are pre reads as opposed to PowerPoint and delivering the message verbally in the meeting. Oh man, I
0: wish wish more people would do that.
2: Well, you know, it was new to me. Um, Yes. Not the concept of writing things down, but
0: so. No. (laughs) through documents. Cir- circulating pre-reading yeah it used, yeah,
2: to, I, used I, to frustrate yeah.
0: me no end when you know you'd walk into an hour's meeting and 50 minutes of it would be broadcast and I'd be yes. thinking you know I, I can read and digest this in
3: yeah. probably
0: a quarter of the time that it takes you to present it and then we could have had a half hour discussion and all got out by half past instead of, yeah. instead of on the next hour so it does um, make sense
3: um, and it's about meetings is affected meetings is about should be about that debate and and
0: yeah yeah not about about broadcast i just
3: wanted to um to pick up on the fact that you call it magic values when we do workshops very often i take my magic wand i steal my daughter's harry potter magic wand and take that in because if you can get that right it is magic yeah
2: yeah and, you know, I, I, they, they were, as I say, they were, they were already established uh, before I joined, um, but they were redone just as I joined. And I think, you know, the, the, the behind the magic is exactly what you just described. I mean, if you get them right, it's the, that's where the Twilio magic happens.
1: Okay. One, of the, the,
2: one of the kind of formative ones is drawing the owl. So okay. basically, and it, again, yeah, it's all about basically, and we're not going to tell you what to do. You're going to have to work it out. So you know, here's two round circles. You put the, the ears, the beak, the eyes, and everything else on it. And um, yeah, that's definitely our, our embedded culture as a builder and building right. and you know, taking initiative, small, type, small teams, agility, innovation. And that's a foundational value of those Twilio magic values of drawing the owl.
3: Right. And that goes back to what you were saying at the beginning about the de- focus on the developer.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and our, our, our company logo is an L.
0: I wonder, with the retention thing, does retention help to drive culture, or does culture help to drive retention? I mean, clearly, it cuts both ways. But what's the balance there? Do you think?
2: Well, I think, I think, yeah, absolutely. They're a circular you know, relationship. Yeah. But I think when you're when you are initially starting out and building a team, I think your, your emphasis on the culture because you haven't got to the retention yet. And
0: yeah.
2: I've been in companies. When I joined VMware, um, I'd come out of Microsoft and I'd seen how a company that had never failed had to cope with failure and reinvent itself. And this is pre satya by the way. So, you know, they've done it again now. But um, when I came into VMware, VMware, from a growth perspective, was further, further back down, down the kind of uh, growth side of things. So I could see things coming. And VMware had never had... Uh, Competition. Yeah. Never had an attrition problem either because it was really easy to sell. The stock was going gangbusters, and people were earning a load of money. Nobody leaves. But I, you know, when I came in there, I went, "Let's be a little bit careful," because as soon as those things slow down, which they will. Yes. You know, we will. We, we better have been doing a good job backwards with looking after our employees or they will all go on to the next place where the stock price is going gangbusters and they can earn a load of money because they, they're mercenaries and they'll feel no attachment to anything more than that. And I think not not just because of that, but I, I was reflecting when I was at VMware in the first two years, we churned 80% of the sales force in, in the UK business. And that, you know it was because the sales force needed to morph into a new way of working which was much more competitive it was much more about selling rather than order, order taking yes and it was a different way of working and you know we needed different people i was shocked by how how big the churn was if i'm really honest because i always talk about a third a third a third where a third a you know, high performers. A third of people you can make high performers, and a third are probably people who aren't going to make it. But for that third to be eighty percent was, you know, pretty shocking. But it was reflective of where VMware were in their growth cycle at the time.
3: Yeah, I can relate to that. I used to help with new starter training, and um, I used to deliver the end user computing piece. And I remember even just the hiring to start with wasn't wasn't right because we'd I'd asked them to look at a case study, and say how they would address the case study and it was an end user computing case study and they would read it and say we need to sell you to them i didn't ask you that i just asked you to pull out where where are the problems tell me where the customer's pain points were and they couldn't get to them at all i think it took took about two years to get to the to the right hiring of solution sellers versus the order takers that they were still hiring
2: We talk a lot about this at the moment, and it's to do with our technology as well, because our technology in a vanilla sense is a bag of bits, Um, and those bits, that's probably not a technical term, Sam, by the way, Um, those bag of bits only really come alive when you've asked enough discovery questions and done enough research to understand what the customer's business does and how you can apply that technology to a use case. only then does the thing come alive and you see the value in doing it and, and people buy that. You know, people do not buy our API. They buy the ability to be able to deploy, you know, ways of retaining or driving customer acquisition through technology. And it's, it's, you know, that's been very similar across my career. I've always enjoyed working in organizations and Lotus and Microsoft are definitely examples of this and the EUC piece at VMware where you could have a direct connect with either a consumer or an end user, so where the technology kind of came alive. And um, yeah. that that that's what's always kind of interested me. And I think maybe I'm naturally curious as well, which are things we look for, by the way, in candidates. You know, people are naturally curious because they'll learn quicker internally and they'll ask customers questions.
0: Curiosity yeah. is an underrated hiring point, actually. I had not thought of that.
2: Yeah, well, it's one of our key ones. Another one's resilience, what we do yeah. is...
0: Um, yeah, resilience, yeah. really important. Yeah. I, have this, I have this vision of a sales guy phoning up and saying, hi, Mr. Customer, would you like to buy an API? And you're <laughs> it around the back of the head. Well,
2: there is a famous quote from one of our customers asking what a Twilio was. What's a Twilio? <laughs> so, yeah.
0: and, 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 and how much are they? Correct. How much yeah. are they each? Really? Yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. Funny. Um, so in, in previous episodes of Get Amplified last season, um, we talk a lot about well-being of employees. Um, where would you stand on the importance of mental health to your organization but also also personally, I suppose, when you're when you've got a big tough job?
2: Yeah, well I think the first thing to to, to say around this is it's something that as a leader, I, I truly I, I really strongly believe that you need to be um you need to be thinking about this right now in covid explicitly but you know i started operationalizing this if you like in in my work life um at vmware um and it was on the back of a drunken conversation in a car park at a center point charity event where we were sleeping out in the car park overnight and uh, two or three of us um were chatting about life experiences and i'd had you know, I'd gone through CBT, CBT so cognitive based therapy, in my life in God early two thousands, and it had really helped me around a difficult period in my life. And I, I'd I'd kind of always had that that with me. And I think, you know, in the earlier parts of my career, I'd have considered that to be a bit of a sti- stigmatized, and I wouldn't necessarily have talked about it particularly openly. And chatting to these these other individuals, um, we basically said, that we need to do something about this instead of talking about it drunkenly in the car park. And kind of you know putting our arms around each other around various challenges in our lives let's go do something about it and that kicked off the um the mental health campaigns within vmware which have still you know they've generated a life of their own long since i left um and that was where i first started realizing that people really really gravitated towards it and it was a lot more widespread than i'd ever imagined and the concept of mental health as well, it, it, just saying the two words together have a negative stigma, which they shouldn't. I mean, when you talk about your physical health, you don't go, oh my God, physical health. You know, and they're the two same things. You, have, you need to look after both in the same way. And um, you, you, they ebb and flow over time through your life, through the challenges you might have. And I can guarantee right now in COVID, people's mental health, regardless of their situation, is, is being eroded because the monotony of what we're doing despite the fact of maybe you know enjoying being at home a bit more often and not doing the commutes the the monotony and the the zoom gloom of doing this no offense guys but the the companies have been good look Twilio has been fantastic and the leadership at, at Twilio through this period and through other periods in my career with them have just shown their real cultural caring side and you know, and that isn't unique by any means. And you know, I've seen the same from other companies in the industry. But they've yeah. given us incremental leave, um, the two weeks of incremental leave that people, are, and they're kind of that nobody's for. Trulia doesn't have a culture of forcing anybody to do anything. Um, but we're definitely you know, proactively encouraging people to use their holiday allowances. Um, the other thing that we're we, we're empowered to do locally is. The Friday after quarter end, we're now getting into the habit of having a mental health day so that the whole of the sales organization stops working on that Friday after the quarter end just because of the hiatus at the quarter end. But also people were worried in taking days off because they're like, if I come back, my inbox has got 150 emails in it. So if we take the whole sales force out, that worry kind of goes (laughs) away a little bit. And the company's very empowering in in, giving me and the individual's the ability to, to look after themselves. And somebody said earlier on about, you know, there's people who are fearful of going into the office and there's people who can't wait to go back. And every flavor of gray in between, in between. shade of gray in between. Yeah. And we have to cater for that individuality around what it is that we provide. And it's hard. Um, and we can't, we can't think that, you know, everybody wants to go back or nobody wants to go back. It's a mix.
0: That's interesting. I I was talking to somebody about the, I can't quite remember how he referred to it, but it's, it was something like a, an organization having a sort of a cultural bank or a cultural store, as in, you know, if if you've had a great positive working together, coming together culture, you've built up a certain store of that. And the COVID situation has gradually been depleting that, and you'll get back towards zero. And at some point, you've got to get people back together to rebuild that yeah. that bank or that store again. I guess the you know the downside of that that analogy is that those maybe who didn't have that great a culture probably didn't have the buffer, the 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 resilience in their model to enable that long term, and that's going to sadly cause them some challenges. I think.
2: And that's a, yeah. a great metaphor, and that yes. that metaphor is why I worry about our new starters.
0: Yes, because they, exactly we, that they haven't built that up.
2: Correct. We haven't built the bank with them, and we're we're gradually eating into negative territory with each of them. And you know, yeah. over exaggerate the problem, but that metaphor nicely explains the difference between you've yeah. had that time with and somebody who's level set at
0: zero basically. That's it. They're almost coming in with an overdraft. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So would you mind, DPJ, just giving us your three key takeaways on building culture? Well, I think I talked about um,
2: some of them earlier on. I, I haven't written this down, so I'm going to kind of do this you know, real time. I think the first one is you know, lead by example. Um, you can't expect people to behave in a certain way or do a certain thing if you're not willing to do it yourself or you don't, you don't genuinely – uh, expose those values and I've you know I've got to a stage in my career frankly where if I can't be myself then I'm not interested in you know what whatever has to offer it's I'm too late in my career and I think I learned early in my career that I probably compromised too much on that as an individual around some of the that I was with so I think that's the first that's the first thing um, I think building trust and I, it, it's a bit cliched but I think listening and then and then acting on it and most importantly doing what you say you're going to do Um so you build that again that's by the way that's equally applicable to customers and you know certainly early in my career as a salesman the foundational way you build a relationship with customers is through your initial interactions delivering on what you say you're going to deliver you can't always give them what they want out of the gate but you can give them you know set expectations and as long as you deliver against those so being being able to deliver and i think there's something in the third piece around diversity and inclusion. And it's not, uh, this isn't cliche. This is all about, you know, hiring, hiring people and letting them be themselves um, and trying not to, to, to hire, you know, uh, stereotypes of yourself. And I think, you know, it's instinctive to do that, you know, through culture, but I think you learn very quickly that actually when you do, an insights profile or a disc profile of your team, and it looks like a dartboard with a bunch of darts all around it. That's a good thing.
1: Absolutely. Um, knowing
2: it's like that is important because that explains maybe the dynamic you're getting in the team. But, you know, having a cluster of people all together in a in a mono way of working is it lacks, it lacks any creativity, and frankly, it's much less fun. And yeah. I think you know, for me, it, it, I used to say uh, at VMware, actually, that my job was to make sure that people walked in the office on a, in the morning smiling and wanting to be there. And that kind of encapsulates those three things. I think if you can deliver on those three things, then people will want to be there and they'll feel trusted and they'll have that purpose and that connection, Sam.
0: So you, you want your, your disk profile to look like a bad dartboard? Yeah, correct. as opposed, as yes. opposed to a, as a good dartboard where everything's treble 20. Yeah,
2: probably my dartboard, maybe. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: It's so important to do that at, the, at that hiring stage as well, because uh, I had a very funny conversation the other day. I'm working with a leadership team at the moment, and they are very much all in one part of that dartboard, right? And then when I spoke to the recruiter, who I know very well, guess what? She hired them all. Uh, what she did she hired people like her so um having that information up front and knowing that having different perspectives and having that you know scattered approach in your team and the diversity it actually helps um a great deal so up front
2: here's a funny anecdote and i think vicky you know the individual better than i do but we did this i was at VMware in the uk and the facilitator basically said, everybody wants to be like Phil Thorin. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, everybody wanted yes. kind of charisma and um, yeah. uh, personality. And so everybody was in certain places on the thing, but they were all heading towards... Trying to
3: go. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we talk about diversity of thought. That's what we're yeah. looking for. So you've yeah. got diversity of thought and opinion. And actually, that's what the Code of Governance says for boards. That's exactly what they're looking for. Because then you get diverse debate and then you can hopefully get to the right outcome because you've had all of the different perspectives considered. So so it's good from from a business perspective as well. I'm working with an organisation at the minute and we've just done a survey for them. And what has come out, we weren't looking for it, but what has come out is the absolute correlation between trust and well-being. There's a line across the grid for both of them. And where trust is low well-being is low so when you said about trust in it being cliche this this was we were looking at 13 different elements across an entire organization and those are the two lines that stood out against each other so it's it's absolutely fascinating and the fact that the way that you talk about building trust and, and the vulnerability behind it it, it it just shows you know the confidence that you must have of building the organization that you have it's going to have such a massive impact
2: yeah, the, the one thing I'd reflect on there, Vicky, is, and I didn't get this at Microsoft, is it takes time.
3: Yeah. Right? yeah.
2: You, you, you know, and I've, I've had a couple of leaders recently who are going into organizations or teams where it's not great and they're going to have to do a bit of a turnaround. And, you know, I, I'm really, really, I, I am I'm, I'm patient on that stuff, but organizations aren't, and particularly sales organizations. yeah. They suddenly forget you only joined six months ago and, you know, where are the results? And, yeah. you know, I'm coaching the people in that situation to kind of have two, you know, two parallel paths, one of which is get the numbers on track as soon as you can. But the other one is, please do not build just for that. Build for the future. Make the yeah. right decisions. Keep the right people, you know, and, and take your time hiring particularly around key roles and, and try and high diverse. And if you have to hang out there a bit longer, then-
3: It's worth it. Find
2: a way of doing that. And it's
3: Otherwise,
0: Otherwise you only eventually end up back where you were before anyway. Correct. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Shah, you're up. It's hero time. <laughs> so
1: yes, it's hero time. And as I always explain, um, the reason we have hero time is just to get a little bit into our guests' psyche, um, you know, who in their past maybe has inspired them and motivated them. DPJ, who's your hero?
2: I think the first thing I'd say, which is very, um, and, and I'm a cheat because there's not really one. Um, the first thing I'd, I'd, I kind of reflect on is, you know, any um, working parents who've homeschooled their children in the last period, you know, they are definitely heroes. That I, I could not imagine doing what I've had to do for the last six months with my children. Ten years earlier, I think you know the, the resilience that they'll have shown to get that done and the tenacity to be able to work and homeschool and do all the other stuff that we've all had to do, I think deserves some recognition. I think secondly, it would, and I have before, be easy to say my father, Um, you know, just from, you know, how he brought me up and how I I relate to him is a, is a very stereotypical and kind of obvious thing to say. And, you know, I have tremendous respect with, for him and what he built um, from his, his kind of, tough childhood to where he is today and you know luckily he's still alive and I'm going to go and see him in a couple of months but then I think that the area I'm going to focus on is kind of it's the women in my life and you know I'll do them in age order and the, when I met them first so I, I met my mother first um so she's the first woman I'd like do that
1: <laughs> yeah I hope so
2: yeah I got that the right way around which is good um, the second's my sister, and you know, I'll talk a little bit about each of them in a second. Then my wife, Claire, and then my daughter, Eve, who's 17. And it's really that the theme running through all of them is the kind of um, determination, capability, and also not letting things get in the way for any of them. My mother, you know, moved to Saudi Arabia in 1977 when I was 12, my sister was 11. I had twin brothers who were. Four years old at the time, she went there. She couldn't drive, um, but she went there to support my father, who was there in the university. But she's always had a career, and uh, later in her time in Saudi Arabia, she was a teacher and she was the CIO for the Saudi Arabian schools. So I, I was always brought up by a, a woman who could could juggle things and 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 cope through you know what were the t- bringing up four children. Um, but also having a very very strong career. And even when my father was a lecturer, she was running a horticultural garden when we were very young. And then my sister, my sister's the CEO of Magnox and um, she's a nuclear physicist. So, you know, nothing's held her back in a very male dominated environment. And, um, you know, she's always been, you know, whether we like it or not, we're all compared with each other as children. And it's tough being one of four and, you know, she's she's had a fabulous career and again, you know, cope with 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 life very easily. And, and, and some of this explains why I didn't really get some of the challenges around um, diversity in the workplace earlier on in my career, because I'd seen these two strong women early in my life not being held back by that. And, you know, working in the nuclear industry is a very explicit um, piece of that. And then Claire, who's, you know, I met through work. Um, she used to be my SE. She hates me saying that. Um, but you know she's she's always. You, you,
0: you mean you were her sales guy?
2: Yeah. Well, she'll say I was only successful because she was my SE. She's she's probably right actually. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know she's con- constantly worked, and we were talking about this earlier today. Actually, other than ten months off for each of our two children, and you know continues to have a very successful career in the tech industry. And again has never really been held back by some of the challenges I've seen other people being held back by in the industry. And then my daughter who, you know, has the strong headed personality of my wife and I don't think, you know, I certainly won't get in her way. And, um, you know, she can, she can knock down walls. And I think the the world she's being brought into from a career perspective is a better world, but it's not perfect. And I think we, you know, we all need to, to, to work towards a better a better equal world. And I really like the, um, the speech that Emma Hermione from uh, Harry Potter did to the UN about he for she and the fact we have to do this together. And, you know, particularly with my wife, we've always partnered in how we've, we've brought up the children, had our careers. And I think the four of them are probably the, the heroes I'd call out for this session.
0: Magnificent. Very,
2: very <laughs> Thank cool. Thank
1: you cpj that was really lovely and and i love that segment only because i get to know more about the guest and the real person and uh and so that was uh, that was very interesting thank that you interesting, and, and thank you I'm for your time well.
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah good man nice one thank so you. thanks for thanks thank for listening you. to get amplified from the amplified group uh, your comments and your subscriptions of course gratefully received and we'll see you on the next one mm-hmm.